1 Samuel chapter 3, verse number 1. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse number 1. Now, I dealt with this scripture this past Wednesday night, but I have more to say about this scripture, all right? Because you can never exhaust the word of God. So 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse number 1. Now, the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days, and there was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at the time when Eli was laying down in his place, and when his eyes began to grow so dim that he could not see, and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, while the ark of God was, Samuel was laying down. And the Lord called Samuel, and he answered and said, Here am I. So he ran to Eli and said, Here am I, for did you call me? And he said, I did not call you, go lay down again. And so he went and laid down. And the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for you called me. He answered and said, I did not call you, my son. You lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called to Samuel again a third time. And so he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for you did call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lay down, and it shall be that if he calls you, you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and laid down in that place. Amen. Now the Lord came and stood and called us at other times, and Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel answered and said, Speak, for your servant hears. Lord, open our ears to hear your voice tonight. I pray that everything that's done will bring you the glory tonight, and we won't fail to praise you. And everyone said, Amen. What I want you to see tonight, and you know by now my method of preaching, one of my methods of preaching is I love to take stories, get everything from the story that I can. The reason that I find that is effective is because most of us like stories, and the whole Bible is filled with stories. From Genesis to Revelation, there's one story after story. As a matter of fact, the whole Bible is a narrative filled with stories, and so we remember stories. How many could raise your hand tonight, and you can recall different stories that you remember that had an impact on your life because somebody told a story? And you, and you think to yourself, well, if God can do it for them, then God can do it for me because of a story that you heard. And so this story tonight is a story that is, has many different principles in it. And when I read this story, I believe one of the things that we fail to realize in this story is that God is a generational God. God is a generational God. You have two different types or classes of people in this story. You have Eli, who is a priest, and you have Samuel, who is a boy. Now, if you read the context of the Scripture, you will find that Samuel was given back to the Lord, and he was, in, he was being raised in the house of God. And so Samuel was around Eli. He was around the things of God. He was being raised in the tabernacle. And so you have two different types of people here. You have Samuel, and then you have Eli. And I believe that this is significant, and the reason it's significant is because both of these classes of people are in the tabernacle of God. Now, the tabernacle was a place of worship, a place of sacrifice, a place of ritual, a place where God met his people. And the church is a place where God meets with his people, not a building, but 
this place that God meets with his people. And what you see here is Eli represents the older generation while Samuel represents the younger generation. Both of them uh, could hear the voice of God. Samuel could not hear the voice of God because he was young, he was inexperienced, he, he, he wasn't familiar with the voice of God. And then you have Eli, even though Eli was not perfect, he had some, some uh, issues in his life, especially in his family. Even though he had issues, he had enough discernment to know that God was speaking. You have the older group and the younger group in the house of God, and both of them working together understood the voice of God. And what I want to say to you tonight is, is if we're not careful as we progress in this year, we can have the mindset that what's really important is the younger generation, and the older generation is not necessarily important. So we got to cater to the younger generation, and we got to cater to everything they want because we're, we, we have a mindset that the older generation is not important any longer. But what I truly believe is that God is a cross-generational God, which means that God is concerned about all generations. The older generation still can hear the voice of God. They still can walk in discernment. They can help the younger generation understand the voice and the calling of God. And I want to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, that if it wasn't for the older generation paving the way for us, we would not be here today sitting in this house. Many of you have had people who spoke into your life and mentors who spoke into your life. Those people are important. You see, the younger generation like all the hype, but they don't have the finances to pay for it. Guess who pays for it? It's the older. Can I hear an amen right there? <laughs> Can I hear an amen? And they, they want to be demanding, but yet it's the, younger, the older generation that takes care of the fits of the bill. You see, so both generations are very, very important. The older generation and the younger generation. That is, now, why is this important? Because it's important for our mindsets. If we are not careful, the older generation can think to themselves, they know everything about God, and this is the way the church needs to be run, and if it's not run this way, then it is not spiritual. And the younger generation can get in a mindset that the older generation don't know what they're talking about, and they're old fogies, and so they, they, they just need to be quiet and let the younger generation do what they need to do. And that is not the right mindset. The right mindset is the Eli and the Samuels working together in the tabernacle, and both of them can discern the voice of God together. It's kind of like the multitude being fed. There were 5,000 people needed to be fed, and Jesus fed the multitude through two different types of people. He used the little boy's lunch, but he also used the disciples. The little boy could not get to Jesus unless the disciples brought the lunch to Jesus. The disciples represent the older generation, while the little boy's lunch represents the younger generation, and when both of them work together, the multitudes are fed. Boy, that's some good. Come on. And what happens, we can't feed the multitude with just the little boy's lunch. we got to have the disciples. The disciples had the platform. They knew how to get to Jesus. They had the influence. They could get to Jesus quicker than the little boy. 
And when both of them work together, we can feed the multitude. You know what my desire, my plan for Christ's point is? Is that we appreciate the older generation. We honor the older generation. We listen to their voice. We listen to their counsel. We listen to their advice. But at the same time, we make room for the younger generation to experience God the way they need to experience God in this generation. Come on, somebody. We have to have both. We have to have both. You may not like the newer music, but we're not singing to you. We're not worshiping you. So why does it matter what you like? When you become God, then you could tell everybody what kind of music you like. Worship is directed to Christ. As long as the message glorifies Christ, then it's edifying to his ears. It doesn't matter whether we like it or not because we're not singing to you. We're singing to God. We're worshiping God. We're bringing adoration to God. Now, we have different styles because we are different people. And I understand that. And there's nothing wrong with having styles and preferences and liking certain things. But when it affects your relationship with Jesus, then that becomes a problem. Can I hear an amen? I could say, I don't like that music. I don't really care for that style. But as long as I could hear the message over the music, and as long as the message glorifies God, then I could sit through a service and let the younger generation shout to that music. And it's the same way with the younger generation. You may not like the old stuff, but we're going to do it around here is because we appreciate those who went before us. And I hear an amen. Now you have Eli and you have Samuel working together. Can you tell I'm passionate about this? Do you agree with Pastor Josh that it's important that Samuels and Eli's work together in the house of God? Yes. Now, it's interesting that Samuel did not know God, the Bible says, and yet he was hearing God. Do you know it's quite interesting that even though Samuel wasn't trained to hear God's voice, he was yet discerning that somebody was speaking. We should never discount God speaking to sinners. We should never discount the fact that God can speak to somebody outside of the community of faith. And this is a prime example how God revealed himself to Samuel, even though Samuel was not familiar with God. Nor has he ever heard God's voice, but yet he knew that somebody was speaking. And I believe what we need to pray is that our unsaved loved ones would hear the voice of God. Oh, hallelujah. Can I hear an amen? I pray you need to start praying big prayers. God, I pray that you begin to speak to my unsaved loved ones, that they would hear your voice, discern your voice, and repent and confess you as their Savior. Instead of praying some tragedy on them, let's pray that their ears would be open to hear the voice of God. Number two, not only is God a generational God, but this story teaches us that much of our attention is being on, on being heard instead of, of hearing the voice of God. In other words, most, most of our attention 
is on being heard instead of hearing. You see that? We want to be heard when this scripture, this passage of scripture, the point of it is they were hearing somebody, but they did not know who the somebody was. And we have to understand that if we're going to hear God's voice, it's not necessarily on us being heard, it's us hearing. You see, most of our attention is us praying long prayers for God to hear us. But the question is, is are you hearing God? Because God has been speaking for 2,000 years in this dispensation. Have you been hearing the voice of God? He has been speaking. God was speaking here, and yet they were not familiar with the voice of God. Let's change our attitude from being how much we are being heard to opening our ears to hear what God has already been saying. Because God is saying something. I promise you, God is saying something. And sometimes what God is saying is something we don't like. But God is saying something. You see, this story also tells us that the Bible says that the lamp of God had gone out in the tabernacle. As a matter of fact, Eli's eyes were dim and the menorah in the tabernacle, the, the lamp was going out. His eyes were dim and yet he could still perceive the voice of God. Because this story teaches us that God is not constrained to our physical and spiritual limitations. Oh, hallelujah. Did you see what I'm saying? His eyes were going dim. The menorah was going out in the tabernacle. And yet Eli discerned God was speaking. Because this story clearly tells us God is not limited to somebody's physical and spiritual limitations. In other words, we don't have to have everything perfect for God to speak. You don't have to fast 21 days and for God to say something. You don't have to have everything perfect for God to speak to you because Eli is a prime example. Not everything was perfect in his life. Yet God was still speaking. I want to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, that perfection is not the key to hearing God. Just because you got everything in line in your life doesn't mean that you can hear God. Hearing God is a matter of faith. Hearing God is a matter of the heart. And hearing God is a matter of a decision to open up your spiritual ears and hear what God has to say. See, Eli is a prime example that his family was messed up. His boys were committing sexual sin at the temple door. And Eli turned the other cheek or turned the other way and acted like it wasn't happening. We've seen that. Pastors overlook their children's sins and act like, you know, their sins is no big deal while everybody else is disciplined. It's kind of like Eli. Eli overlooked his, his, his son's sins, and yet he was hard on everybody else, and yet he gave a pass to his own boys. You've got to be very, very careful, ladies and gentlemen, because the same judgment that you put on others will be the same judgment that will come back on you if you don't learn to discern the Scriptures correctly. Can I hear an amen? So, Eli could hear the voice of God. He discerned the voice of God because he had walked with God for years. 
Eli understood it was God. Now get this. Eli understood it was God's voice, but Eli didn't necessarily hear God. He discerned it was God. While Samuel could hear God, but didn't understand God. When both of them come together, they perceived it was God. Let me say it again. Eli understood that it was God. He still had enough sense about him that he discerned that it was God moving and speaking. Even though he wasn't the one audibly to hear it, he understood it was God. But Samuel audibly heard it, but didn't understand it was God. You see, that is exactly how it should be. You see, there are times in your life that as you walk with God, you may not hear God's voice all the time, but you can discern God's voice. And your calling is to help somebody who don't understand God to hear God correctly. Eli and Samuel walking together, we need both generations. You see, hearing God is not a matter of our feelings, but hearing God is a matter of faith. Somebody said this, and I think it's great, that being mature is, is being able to remain consistent to your commitments long after your emotions have passed. That is a mouthful right there. You ready? Maturity is being able to remain consistent to your commitments long after your emotions have passed. In other words, emotions make you sign up, but emotions don't make you show up. Boy, I've been in a lot of Pentecostal services. They got everybody hyped up and everybody writing checks. And boy, you, you, you've heard my stories. I, I've been so excited. I've taken my tie off and shoes and threw it. Through it. I mean, I've been so excited. They, they, they can get you hyped up. And there's nothing wrong with hype as long as hype don't substitute for holiness. Ain't nothing wrong with hype. Ain't nothing wrong with being, having emotions. Ain't nothing wrong being excited. But you need to make sure that you've heard the voice of God. Emotions make you sign up, but emotions don't make you show up. Isn't it interesting in this, this Scripture that there is the double annunciation of God in this scripture. You know what I mean by that? Now get this. The double annunciation of God in the scripture. Because heaven spoke, God spoke, okay? Eli discerned it, Samuel heard it, God spoke, and somebody on earth discerned it. In other words, when God speaks, there should be a confirmation on earth of a yes, that we've heard it. And the problem is, is when God speaks, He's been speaking, but is the earth hearing what God has said? And what is agreement? Get this. Agreement is when earth says yes to heaven's I'm going to say that again. When heaven and earth agree, then that is the power of agreement. 
Heaven is speaking, but the earth has to hear, and the earth has to obey, and the earth has to say yes. When earth says yes to heaven, that is what we call uh, the power of agreement. Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. There has to be an agreement between heaven and earth. There has to be. You see, what happens is, earth is saying something that heaven never said. So therefore we fight with God. The earth is saying something heaven never said. Or heaven is saying something the earth refuses to agree with. Earth will say same-sex marriage is acceptable. That's what we say on earth. But heaven has never said yes to earth. Somebody better say amen. So therefore there is no total agreement. When heaven speaks, the earth has to hear, obey, and discern, brings it into agreement, and thus you have the double annunciation of God. You know what fasting does? Fasting gets you in agreement to what heaven has already been saying. Is this all right, you all out there? Are y'all out there? How many's learning something? Or how many's on the train with me tonight? Are y'all with me on the train? Sometimes the secret to progress is not something you need to learn, but something you need to remember. See, in the story, Eli was familiar with God. He had served God for years. Eli forgot to remember what God said in the law. You see, sometimes the secret of our success is not us trying to learn something new, but really it's us remembering what God has already said. See, when you can't trust the omnipresence of God, you've got to trust the omnipresence of God when you can't feel the manifestation presence of God. You see, sometimes we don't always feel God, but we got to trust the omnipresence of God. We got to know that God is with us even when we don't feel God. Feelings are fickle. You can't believe everything you feel, and you can't believe everything you think. That's why the Word has to be a solid foundation. In closing, in this Scripture, you see that Eli was, he was, eyes was dim, he's old, but he discerned the voice of God and he told Samuel, if you hear this voice again, you need to go back to bed, go lay down, and if you hear the voice, you need to respond to the voice and you need to say to the voice, speak for your servant hears. Do you see what Samuel was doing? Samuel understood something. He understood that I got to obey authority. That hearing the voice of God does not come through my own ambition and my own efforts. Hearing the voice of God first starts with a submissive spirit. And you know how that submissive spirit demonstrated? He obeyed the voice of the priest. Now, the priest is not a perfect man. You read the context of this narrative, 
He's made many mistakes, but Samuel understood that as long as I'm under the covering of leadership, I could hear the voice of God properly. And what happens is that so many Christians don't place themselves under leadership and they don't submit to leadership because of their own opinions and ideas. And so therefore, the hearing of the voice of God is altered because they don't understand the power of leadership. Oh yes, believe me, leaders will do wrong and leaders will mess up, but it's not about their mess-ups. Leadership is about, or the submission is about the attitude of one's heart. You see, the Bible says in Romans 13 that if we don't submit to leadership, then we're all in danger of hellfire. Jesus, God Himself, the Apostle, said it's very dangerous to go against those who have authority over you. Now, am I saying that because we have authority issues here? Absolutely not. By no means. We don't, this is not the culture of this church. I'm just saying it because I found it in the Scripture. And I know how important it is. Because we live in a generation where even our young people are so defined against their parents. Come on. Define against teachers at school. I mean, it, it, it amazes me, the Facebook videos of all... I see Facebook videos of people posting about what they said to their teacher, and if their teacher don't like it, they can do... The, and the disrespect to leadership that we, have, that we have cultivated in America. You know what? We, the church has a democracy mindset. We don't have a kingdom mindset because in the kingdom... We respect our teachers. In the kingdom, we respect preachers. In the kingdom, we respect leadership. We may not agree, but we respect the office. We respect it. We respect leadership. And so Samuel submitted himself under the covering of Eli. He obeyed. His voice and said, I'll go back and lay down. It's interesting that Samuel never said, dude, you're too old. What do you know? I know what your kids do. Don't tell me to go lay down. That seems to be the generation we live in. Samuel, with a full heart of submission, I'll go lay down. And if I hear the voice again, I'm going to do exactly what you told me to do. Speak for your servant hears. See, hearing God is so much more than locking yourself up in a prayer closet. Because everything you need from God is in a place called obedience. It's having an obedient heart. And this, when I was, years ago when I was serving my pastor, and I, I remember having a heart, and I still have this heart, just having a heart that I want to serve, and this is by no means I'm not preaching an, a secret message here, or, and I'm not trying to tell you to do something, that's not my heart at all, I'm just telling you my experience, because this church is very great at honoring leadership, and so thank you so much, but I'm telling you what God did in my heart, that years ago, years ago, I remember, you know, serving my pastors to the very best of my ability and uh, you know I would get them coffee on Sunday mornings I would 
just do everything, even though there were times that they corrected me and I knew they were wrong because they didn't have the whole story. And even after all these years, some of the stuff I was corrected over wasn't legit. But I submitted to it because they were my pastor. That's your story. I submit to you. I have a humble heart because it wasn't a sin issue. It was just a preference issue. And I wasn't going to let anything get in our relationship to destroy that. I decided I was going to grow through things and look at the other side and say, you know what? Maybe I did act that way, or maybe I did say that, or maybe, maybe there's something I could learn from this. And there are times I was corrected, I needed to be corrected. And they had the guts to do it. So thank God that we still have men and women who know how to do loving correction to bring about growth in the hearts of men and women. So there were times I really did need it. Thank God I received it. Thank God. And the, now there wasn't, there was some times I, 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 I wanted to say something, but I understood that if I was ever going to make it in life, that I was going to have to walk in a spirit of humility and submission to my leaders. Always. Always. As I remember, one time I was praying because I was asked to preach and I heard God clearly say to me, when was the last time you prayed for your pastor? Why is it that you're always praying for the anointing to be on you to preach, and you've never prayed for him, ever. That day just kind of jacked me up. And I thought, that's the day that I learned a principle. And you know what that principle is? That generosity is more than giving money. You could be generous in the way you pray. You can be generous in your smiles. You can be generous in your handshakes. You can be generous in your lifestyle. So I thought, I'm going to be generous in my praying. I'm going to pray for him because what I make happen for others, God will make happen for me. Can somebody say amen? Somebody say amen. Amen. So what can we learn from this story we learn from this story that God wants both generations working together. We learn from this story that submission to authority was the first thing that happened before he heard the voice of God clearly. We learn from this story that it's not about being heard as it's so much as what you are hearing. We learn from this story that, that God can speak to even people who are not right with God. We learn from this story that the older generation needs to help the younger generation discern the voice of God. We learn from this story that sometimes we don't always sense the manifestation, presence of God, but we can always trust the omnipresence of God because in this story, the lamp was going out. Revelation was dim. There was no revelation. There was no manifestation presence of God. They just had to trust the omnipresence of God. And as you dig in the Scripture, you will find that Samuel heard the voice of God and God used Samuel 
in a mighty way. You see, Eli died, and uh, his death wasn't too pleasant. God took care of Eli. You see, you may disagree with leadership, but let God take care of that. God has a way that in the end, He takes care of that stuff. You just walk in a spirit of love and humility. Oh yes, I'm not saying back down and not be heard. It's okay to say what you need to say in a spirit of love and reconciliation. But after that, let it go and let God take care of the people that He needs to take care of. Because I promise you in the end, God does a better job than we could ever do. And I hear an amen. He can do a better job. The Bible says, 1 Samuel 4 and verse 15, that 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 15, that Eli was 98 years old. His eyes were so dim that he couldn't see. 98, Eli was old. And you know what happens. He was a big guy, wasn't he? He dies. God takes care of it. God knows how to do what we can never do. Verse number 18, look at it. What happened? That it happened that when he made mention of the ark of God, that Eli fell off the seat backwards by the side of the gate. And what happened? His neck was broke. For the man was old and he was heavy. Now, uh, when I read that, I think I thought to myself, that's probably not a good way to end your life. Can I hear an amen? He was old, fell backwards, broke his neck. And then because of that, the Bible says 19, his daughter-in-law heard of that death. She went into labor and had a baby and named him Ichabod, for the glory had departed. See, Eli's decision not only affected him, but affected his family. Can I hear an amen? Verse 21, Then she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory has departed from Israel because the ark of God had been captured because of the father-in-law and her husband. And she said, the glory has departed from Israel, for the ark of God had been captured. You see, Eli was more concerned about his self-interest than he was about the ark of God in Israel. But yet God used Eli. And sometimes God can use people that you can write off and say God can never use them. But Eli is a prime example how God used him to discern the voice of God for that little boy called Samuel. 